Oh, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so gritty and kind of like dirty and icky and um, no one's really a good guy. And I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things are complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. As soon as I kind of started getting into it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so fun. Have you ever wondered how somebody becomes a professional writer? Well, I had a chance to sit down with Mari Takuda and go over with her her career, how she um, ended up becoming a professional writer, how she ended up writing for weird games. If you're into Malifaux lore, she has written some of my favorite stories um, that have been published in that universe. We talk about uh, her process, how she approaches the work, how she goes from an idea to uh, fleshing it out and then potentially getting it published within a universe that uh, is not of her creation. We finish out by talking about the realities of being a freelance artist, what's great about it, and what are some of the challenges. She was a great guest, so sit back and enjoy my time with Mari. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're talking to Mari Takuda, a freelance writer and designer. Now those listeners who play Malifaux likely already know her work. She has done uh, several different stories writing for uh, Weird Games. Uh, in fact, if you picked up either the recent Guild or Resurrectionist Faction books, that contains several of her stories. Now she's worked on comic books, she's worked on tabletop RPGs, and several different digital games. So Mari, welcome to the third floor. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So, Mari, traditionally, um, you're actually the first writer that I've had on the show, which is, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of excited about because um, <laughs> uh, I get to talk about different things. A lot of times for these insider insights, I have game designers and people that work in the industry and stuff like this. And you work in the industry, but kind of from a different angle. Um, and typically what I ask my guests is, you know, how did you find tabletop gaming? How did you get into gaming? But really, my first question to you is, do you I know that you participate in making games and you write for games, but do you actually play games? I do play games. Well, it depends. I'm more of a casual gamer, um, but yeah, I, I play games like video games, tabletop games. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> and is that something that you did before you started working in the industry or is oh, that definitely. a result? Oh, yeah. Oh, gotcha. yeah. 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 <laughs> so it drew you into it a little bit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to date myself too much, but like <laughs> I started playing um tabletop games with AD&D. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and AD&D was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the listener, that's a running joke on my show is how old I am. So I guarantee I'm older than you. So you might be red box. I'm like blue box. That's how oh. old I am. <laughs> so that I mean, dates us. Yeah, really. Like, oh, I remember, you know, calculating Thacko. <laughs> that's funny, Thacko. I haven't thought about Thacko in a long time. I know, right? Well, what, I guess that's a good question then, is what got you to sit down and play your first role-playing game? What got you to play Redbox? Um, well, I had friends who played and they got me into it and I've kind of been playing ever since. So do you still participate in RPGs? Yes. Yes. Now, and this is going to seem like an obvious question for the listeners, but what what draws you into it? So what what do you enjoy about playing RPGs? Now, you know, I, I ask other people that and they're like, well, I like creating stories. I like, you know, building characters. But mm -hmm. for crying out loud, that's what you do for a living. So I'd be very <laughs> curious, you know, what you enjoy about the role playing experience. Um, I just I love having a character and just getting to figure out what this character is going to do. And um, currently I'm playing a bard at the moment okay. who has a very uh, low wisdom score. Okay. <laughs> wisdom was a little bit of the dump stat here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, this character makes some very unwise decisions and it's very fun. It gets the whole party into a lot of trouble. 
<laughs> so there's always there's always one character in the party that does that right that that is the one that always seems to say the wrong thing and just uh kind of ups the stakes as everybody's going yeah <laughs> it sounds yeah. like you are now the group you're playing with now how long have you guys played together oh years and years um, no kidding. um a couple of the guys that i play with um well one i'm married to and oh, okay. <laughs> and we've been playing together for ever ever mm-hmm. like they are some of the um, people who got me into role playing in the first place no kidding no yeah. kidding yeah so let's talk about your husband then now did you guys did you did he draw you into gaming you drew him into gaming you were gamers that matt and fell in love or how did that happen <laughs> um well we were both video gamers okay and that's sort of and huge nerds and i mean we met when we were kids essentially oh wow and we've been friends ever since and then we fell in love and Got married. Well, isn't that a cool story? <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, so we've been friends and we've known each other since we were 12. No kidding. That is a neat mm-hmm. story. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. my podcast is not devoted to falling in love with, <laughs> with your childhood sweetheart. So we're going to talk about you as a writer. So what we're going to do, guys, is my Insider Insight series allows me to talk to developers, designers, artists, writers, and industry insiders about their creative process and how they approach their work. Now, specifically with Mari, I want to get an idea, you know, where she gets her inspirations from, how she does her research to prepare for her writings, and more importantly, how does she create compelling stories, both for the page and for games? So when we take a break, the first thing I want to find out when we get back is how did she become what she is now? So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com, that's with one M, or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T H I R D F L O O R F R I E N D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. So um, I already uh, tipped my hat uh, in the first segment about how excited I was to have Mari on the show. Um, And, you know, Mari, a lot of times when I have uh, guests for these Insider Insights, uh, we've got listeners that are like, that person has the best job in the world, right? They're, (laughs) they're, you know, they're doing what I do as a hobby, but they're doing it as a living. Um, And, you know, you're, you're, again, a very unique uh, guest for us. Um, So I want you to take us back. So what is... um, when did you start writing? So when did you maybe start to realize, you know, I, I, I might be good at this? <laughs> well, um, I've always really liked telling stories and writing stories um, ever since I was a kid. I mean, there are just notebooks and files and that my parents had that I just I just wrote stories. Yeah. And um, I ended up going to college and getting a degree in creative writing okay i also ended up going to college for zoology (laughs) (laughs) and we know you're not a zookeeper so i guess the writing stuck right (laughs) i have actually been a zookeeper really okay (laughs) but yeah so you know clearly an obvious marriage of the two uh symbiotic degrees there (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and uh, so I've always loved writing, um, fiction in particular. And um, when I got out of college, I really wanted to get into the game industry. Okay. And so um, I started applying everywhere. Unfortunately, I was already in the Seattle area, and we have a really big game industry here. Yeah. And I was incredibly, incredibly lucky and managed to land a job as a production assistant at Her Interactive on the Nancy Drew Adventure Games. And so that was my first job out of college. No kidding. And so 
entry level that you get hired to work on the Nancy Drew games, um, what is what does that look like? So what did you do on, you know, in the in your first six months of the company? Um mostly I guess level design, I think it I think it would be kind of considered is like scripting um what happens in the game. And okay. integrating the art, integrating sound, um, sort of making the design happen. So in that situation, Mari, are you sitting with developers and saying, here's my ideas, here's kind of what my thoughts are, and then they're implementing it? Or is that the lines blurred on that and you're, you're participating in that process as well? Well, it was more that it was designed and I was implementing it. So I oh, received okay. the art, I received um, the design, and I put it together. Gotcha, gotcha. But and I was not a developer in any way. I was not doing programming. I was scripting. <laughs> okay. Okay. And did you, how long in that process, or maybe it never happened, but is, were you, where did your creativity come in at that point? Right. So if I were to go back and look at those Nancy Drew games, where can I find you? Um, let's see. On the first Nancy Drew game I worked on, I think I designed a puzzle for it. It was... I think one of the statue puzzles at the very end of Curse of Blackmore Manor. And then pretty early on, um, the scriptwriter for the series tapped me and asked me to start writing uh, little one-off lines um, as needed. And so I did that and then sort of transferred or transitioned into design. Very cool. So... I mean, I understand what the word design means, but what does that mean inside inside of that world? So when you say you trans transitioned into design, what did you start doing different? Um, I started uh, handling the logic for the games. So interesting. This happens. This happens. This is dependent on this. Um, as far as the story goes and um, the progression that the player makes, and um, I designed the puzzles and worked on characters and that sort of thing. Very cool. Very cool. So when you look back at your time doing that, um, what do you think are skills or things that that you've carried with you? So what do you think that you picked up there that has um, been a part of your life since professionally? Anything? Ooh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot, actually. Uh, they The Nancy Drew Adventure Games were very um, intense logically as far as this has to happen before this or right. that and to make it kind of smooth and feel seamless to the player but um, make it work on the back end and so having that understanding and that background has really helped me work in games where right. things do not always follow a linear path <laughs> so it's interesting to me that um it sounds like it helped you kind of structure um, things and kind of structure the logic. And what's funny is, and I don't know how long ago this was, but, you know, games have changed a lot. They, they're not as linear as they used to be. Um, so I'd be curious to know, um, have you seen that change as you've stayed in the industry where things may have been a little bit more linear in the Nancy Drew games, but they're not so much now? Um, well, the Nancy Drew games were in some ways linear, but they were also pretty complicated logic-wise. Okay. Um, yeah. And... I haven't worked on, I've been out of the um, digital game industry for a while now, for a few years. Um, so as far as that goes. <laughs> well, but, I, so here's another way to think of it then, is you as a video game player, mm -hmm. is it little, do you sometimes find yourself using that part of your brain when you're playing and going, oh, I can see, you know, how the designer did this, or I can, I can see what they were doing there. Does the insider part of you uh, impact you Is it when you're playing games at all? Um, sometimes, yeah. Although I, I try to like really get into it. Um, Good for you. But but yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, I bet I know what happened there, or, <laughs> or like, oh, someone had to cut a corner there. I've been there. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, you finish up your time uh, working on the Nancy Drew. Now, did you do other things with that company, or did you move on from there? Um, I worked on the Nancy Drew dossier series. Okay, um, what were those? I helped launch that. That was their more uh, casual game uh, series. And so that was a lot of fun. It was a little bit different. 
And I guess the other question is, is did you enjoy Nancy Drew before this or was this really your first time delving into that world? Um, I did read a lot of the uh, original Nancy Drew uh, books when I was really little. Yeah. And so I had, it was like, oh yeah, Nancy Drew. And so I kind of went back to that and it was fun to immerse myself in that world. But um, that's not always the case. And oftentimes it's not as far as the licenses I've worked on. Oh, okay. sure. I, I bet. I bet. My, uh, I've got a six-year-old daughter and she is a budding reader, which makes me, you know, a very happy and proud father. Uh-huh. And I read Nancy Drew as a kid. I loved those Nancy Drew books. And so I've got them set aside. Uh, they're, she's not quite there yet, um, but uh, they were they were good books. They yeah, were good books. And I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah. And there was a ton of them too. So um, mm-hmm. when I was at that, uh, God, I'm trying to think of how old I, I don't even know how old I would have been, but I, I it was voracious. Like I, I just couldn't get enough of them. And uh, I was uh, very lucky to be fueled by that. So now you, so it sounds like you not only left working on Nancy Drew, but it sounds like you moved on to a different, like career wise, you made some changes. So what was next? Um, so after that, well, I did end up uh, working on casual games after that. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, they had to cancel the Nancy Drew dossier line, and um, that team, we went on to found our own company and made a couple of games, and then um, I ended up getting into game marketing. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Um, Now, when you were with the company and you were making your own casual games, was that using an IP, or were those those original games? It was using an IP, and it was... um, we were working with Marjorie M. Liu, and right now she's sort of known for um, the comic book, which is excellent, no, uh, called Monstrous. I think I I've heard of it. Yeah, I'm yeah, not familiar yeah. with it. Oh, the art is just stunning, and she it's, it's great. But um, she had a paranormal romance series known Ooh, as wow. the Dark and Steel series, and um, we figured that the casual game demographics and the romance novel demographics <laughs> had a good overlap. Nice. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so um, we founded a company, Passion Fruit Games. And, and the whole goal was to create games based on romance novels. And so that's what we did. We, we based two games on her first book, Tiger Eye. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So did you approach her and say, hey, we like your stuff and we want to make games off of it? Or how did that how did that marriage happen? Um, our producer knew her. Oh. And so um, our producer took care of all of that. <laughs> was, <laughs> that was the magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Producers are magic. That's <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. now we migrate into marketing games. So what does that look like? Like what, what is that transition like? Um, that was, well, I was a marketing copywriter. So I okay. did, I did okay. copy for games and so you, so you, you move into uh, a marketing copywriter. Um, and for those that don't know exactly what that is. Marketing copywriter. Um, basically, you, the intent is to write copy that will entice people to download or play or uh, get a game. <laughs> okay. And now, I, my wife, go ahead. Well, kind of go ahead. So my wife is from the advertising industry and it's a, it's a very unique industry. It's a very specific type of writing. Mm-hmm. Was that your first time doing any of that type of writing? Yes. <laughs> and what was that learning curve like? Um, it was, it was really interesting because it's very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did end up doing other marketing work and this company was a distribution company. And so we worked with other licenses and marketed their games on the distribution platform. So I did get to work with some different licenses that way a little bit. Right. And that was always interesting because different IPs have different requirements and some are more stringent than others. Yeah. And so now during all of this, um, are you doing any um, like, traditional writing um uh up to this point um even if it's not 
for money, right? Something that you would do on your own or, um, cause that's where we're headed. Right. Um, but, <laughs> um, up to this point, is that, a, is that something you hadn't flexed yet or something that you're doing on the side or. Oh, always. I'm always writing something. Gotcha. I've always got stuff going on. Um, actually while I was there, I, I ended up talking with a company called Zuzel and they do interactive fiction. Um, sort of, I think, uh, middle grade, young adult, uh, you know, that sort of age range, maybe even elementary school. And uh, they do interactive fiction based on historical events. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up contracting with them and wrote a book for them that is hopefully coming out (laughs) (laughs) soonish. In the future sometime. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, what do you, I, I looked at your, at your resume on your website and it's, I mean, I, scroll, scroll, scroll. <laughs> I mean, you, you've, you've made a lot of things. I would be interested, like someone meets you at a, at a cocktail party and they say, well, what do you do? What do you tell them? Um, I usually just tell people I'm a freelance writer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I write words for money. <laughs> <laughs> we'll write words for food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um, currently you're completely freelance, right? Yes. What is that life like? So um, for somebody that has, uh, you know, dreamt of being a freelance writer or doing freelance, being a freelance artist, I'd be very interested um, what, what it's like to be uh, uh, a rogue samurai. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have a much more romantic idea of what a freelance writer does than what we actually do. <laughs> so there's sort of this thought that, oh, you know, like the the end product is also the first draft, which is absolutely <laughs> not the case. Right. <laughs> um, but mostly what I do is run a business. I'm wrangling contracts and invoices and trying to market myself and hunting down new clients and opportunities and editing and rewriting. And um, so that's what I do. Right. And then, um, but I do get to do this wonderful job of writing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really enjoyable. It's something super fun. Love it. Well- I'm glad you like what you do. That's an, that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good yeah. thing. Um, and obviously, I mean, we could do a series of podcasts on this question. So by, by no means do I want to get in depth on it, but I'd be curious, like, how do you find new work? Is that just, you know, somebody, do they find you? Is it a combination of all of those things? Um, yeah. What's the wrangling? Look like? <laughs> Usually I'm the one going out there and um, searching for new clients. So um, I found several people by they have their they have an open call for writers on their website. And so I'll contact them or you know wherever. Um, occasionally people will come to me, but usually it's me reaching out to other people. Got it. Got it. Um, Well, that's great. So, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we're going to uh, talk to her specifically about the things that she's done with weird games, because I know a lot of you listeners are Malifaux players. It's where you'll be most familiar with Mari's work. Uh, So we're going to kind of talk about that. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hi, my name is Noah Suderman, and my dad is a Patreon supporter of Third Floor Wars. I listen to Tabletop Talk because of the hard work and effort that Craig Shipman puts into every podcast so that his viewers can become better Malfoy players. What is it worth to you to get this podcast on a weekly basis? Is it worth a dollar a month? $5 a month? $20 a month? If you'd like to help support the work that we're doing here on Third Floor Wars, please go buy our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thirdfloorwars. There you can pledge at any level, any dollar amount. Whatever you give us will help us put out quality content on a regular basis and hopefully make tabletop gaming a little bit better for you every week. Time for a special shout out to our newest patrons. Uh, I want to thank Eloy, Robo Rotten, Jacob Suderman, Joshua Hatch, Donald Kroger, John Fox, David Gadea, Anthony Nguyen, and Alexander Moritzen. Because of you and the hundred other plus uh, patrons, I'm able to put out quality content on a regular basis. I appreciate your support. So listeners have heard me uh, talk several times about how much I enjoy the uh, the fluff of, of Malifaux, how, how much I love not only the game itself and playing the game, but how much I really enjoy uh, the, the the stories uh, that, are, that are written. And um, I've had a chance to meet and talk to a couple writers that have written for Weird. Uh, this is the first time I've had one on the show. Um, so the first question for you, Mari, is... Um, did you, how did you find Weird and how did Weird find you? I found Weird. They had an open call for writers. And so I submitted my, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I submitted my resume and I think I also submitted a writing sample and I crossed my fingers is basically what yeah. happened. <laughs> and, and before that open call, had you ever heard of them or knew anything about them? I didn't know a whole lot about them. Um, my husband did because he's more into um, the miniatures and tabletop world than I am. But um, so he had heard of them. He said, oh, they sound like a good company. So, um, yeah. And uh, fortunately, I'm incredibly lucky and so, so grateful that they got back to me. That's cool. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. They've been, they've been wonderful to work with. So, so now they, you send in your writing samples, they come back and they say, you don't suck. We'd like you to, um, like to write for us. What's kind of next? Um, do they present to you and say, you know, we, we need stories about this or, you know, we're looking for, I mean, I, I, I literally have no idea how this happens. Um, so what's that process look like? So, um, I've worked very closely with Kyle Rowan, who I believe has yep. been a guest on Tabletop Talk. He has. <laughs> and um, he's the one who commissions stories from me. And he always has a specific character or characters that the story will be about. And he often has specific plot points or beats that he wants me to hit within the story. Right. And then I'll create an outline and we'll go back and forth a few times to iron out any issues. And then I'll write a first draft, which is never, ever final draft <laughs> and um then he'll request edits or rewrites and right basically kyle is just an excellent editor he's a wonderful storyteller and he has a really solid fantastic vision of where he wants the lore of malifo to go and so his feedback his feedback is always always really good and always always makes the story better that's so, valuable yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is just a dream editor to work for. So, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love working with him. And honestly, if there's anything you like about any of the stories I've written for Malifaux, there's a good chance that what you like was Kyle's idea. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just filled in the gaps between what we like. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So you go into this, though, Mari, not really knowing a whole lot about the world. Um, and, you know, granted, Kyle's providing you, um, you know, this is the character. Here's the main beats, the main points we want to get, you know, beginning, middle, end, um, mm -hmm. and things like that. What's next for you um, to get into that world and get into that headspace where you can actually, you know, create stories in this world? Um, well, Kyle provided me a lot of backstory for okay. any characters that I'm going to be writing and things like that. And so 
I can kind of get into it that way and um, get into the world and really immerse myself that way. And so, yeah. And what was your first, what were some of your initial takeaways having first delved into this crazy thing called Malifaux? And I mean, it's a wacky place. Um, As a creative person, what was your um, impressions of it? Um, Were there things that that you uh, found novel? Were there things that you were like, ugh? Oh, I mean, I loved it. (laughs) I mean, it's so gritty and kind of like dirty and icky and... um, no one's really a good guy and i kind of love that (laughs) yeah yeah things are complicated yeah yeah so yeah as soon as i kind of started getting into it i was like oh my gosh this is so fun um so for a lot of i mean there's a lot of people that write and they don't they're not given the structure that you were given right um so granted you're obviously given a ton of freedom as a writer in that scenario but still you know having um having those main plot points to work around is that um is that hard to do does you does that restrictive or does that free you up and allow you to to kind of flex and know the the beats you're supposed to hit um it's actually really helpful because as a freelance writer working on licensed products there are clients and stakeholders and um, people who are in charge of those properties and yep. so it's not mine and so i have to make sure that i i'm working within their vision so having more information is really helpful for me um, sure and then having did- sort of an outline and a framework gives me a lot of room to play within that right right now do you um i would imagine though that your experience working with ips leading up to this obviously had to be extremely helpful so you're used to having having that structure around you uh yeah yeah um just because (laughs) with nancy drew um fortunately her interactive had a lot of control over the nancy drew ip even though they didn't own it right um so they had a lot of influence there and but then you know at other places it is working on ip it is you know someone else's sandbox essentially mm-hmm. that you're playing in so yeah so, it, so i'd it, like to, to have that experience i bet i bet so i'd like to dive into um one of the stories and i'm going to let you decide which one so when you look back at the, the stories you wrote, wrote in malifo is there one that really sticks out for you Oh, my favorite is the parade. <laughs> okay. So talk to me, talk to me about the parade. What, what was the, for those that have not read it, um, let's talk about uh, kind of, uh, we won't spoil anything, obviously, but um, you know, who's it about and uh, what was, what did you find great about it? The parade is um, about Molly Squidpitch and she is just such a fun character. Her yeah. and Archie, and they're just very um, quirky and off the wall. And I um, really got to play with it <laughs> a lot. And um, they did want humor in there, which yep. is difficult to write, but so much fun. Yeah. So I, I really had a lot of fun writing that story. So funny story. I had read that story and then found you and then it was like i need to go back and find out what she wrote and she's like oh she wrote that because that's one of my favorites um, <laughs> and which, which really got me excited and part of it is because i play molly on the tabletop oh her model is great <laughs> oh it's it's fantastic but um it was really inspiring and neat to to see how you fleshed out that relationship between Molly and Archie. And I, I, and I really enjoyed that. Um, So I don't know if that was a beat that Kyle gave you or or something that you discovered, but it, um, it it really is excellent part of the story. So well done on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Kyle and I make a really good team. I feel (laughs) that's good. good. (laughs) Now, um, do you try to think of how to phrase this? Have you, or do you ever want to write a novel? Um, so, you know, for weird, you've written short stories, you've done, you know, writing bits here and there. Um, but you know, whenever anybody hears, you know, writer, um, the first thing you think of is, is the novel. Is that something that you've done or something you've aspired to do? Oh, I would love to do that. Um, I'm currently working on a, on a manuscript at the moment that I'm hoping to be able to 
hopefully put out there and maybe get an agent. <laughs> maybe. <Yeah. laughs> um, I've, I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on it at the moment before I start to query and I've got my fingers crossed. Like, I mean, it's not easy, but I would love to do that. Yeah. So uh, talking about that industry. So I had uh, Dennis Detwiller on from um, the guy who uh, is one of the creators of the Delta Green RPG. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that ended up coming up in our conversation when he was on um, was was the, the, the industry and the publishing industry and how how the publishing industry works. And he was very apocalyptic, doom and gloom about the the kind of the current model of um, you know how the how that industry works. Um, and he uh, made a very compelling argument that um, it's a dinosaur that already died and nobody just nobody realizes yet. Um, I'd be curious to know for you, do you feel like, you know, kind of that old model of, you know, you get an agent, you find a publisher, you get an advance, you, you know, you, 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 put, you know, that entire kind of uh, structure. Do you see that as uh, something that's not going to go away? Or um, do you agree with Dennis and saying, you know, that's kind of the past and it's going to be different going forward? <laughs> well, I, um, I know that there are people who are very, very successful doing self-publishing. And it is a lot of work. Yeah, I, I mean, they are doing the editing. They are doing the cover design. They are doing the uh, marketing and they are, I mean, it is, they are doing everything. And so I, I want to go into that industry if I can, um, partnering with an agent who knows the business side of things and who understands that. So you can, and, so you can just write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do cover design. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. That's I mean, funny. that's a whole like other, uh, you know, profession and sure. specialty that, yeah, that is not, that is not where my niche is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last thing before we take a break, if given the opportunity, it sounds like you, that you would enjoy writing in the world of Malifaux again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would jump on that. All right, good. One of the things that I have been clamoring for is I want Malifaux novels. I love the Ooh. stories. I want a Malifaux novel. So I am going to talk to Kyle and it'll mean nothing, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you get on him too. Let's get, let's get weird to finally put out some uh, novels. Oh my um, gosh. That would be so much fun. I think it's such a rich world. Um, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know, you see Games Workshop does and how successful they are with the novels. And um, boy, I don't know. I'd love to see it. But uh, I know there's a reason it hasn't happened yet. But uh, uh, I'd love to see it, especially uh, with talented writers like you. So, guys, we're going to take you're welcome. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, I want to get some advice from Mari. So, for those of you listening that um, would like to break into um, what Mari is doing or what she has done, let's find out from her um, things that uh, were successful for her, things that she did, the things that um, has allowed her to make a living at this and maybe some pitfalls that she can help us avoid. We'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. You deserve a new play mat. Here on the third floor, we use mats by Mars. They are scratch resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, almost free of glare and lighter than neoprene. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. You pick a mat, pick a design, and then you pick an overlay, like one for Marvel Crisis Protocol, Star Wars Legion, or even Malifaux 3rd Edition. Those overlays will really speed up your deployment and make the placement of objective markers so easy. Use our promotion code in the show notes to get a 10% discount on your first order. In the notes of your order, you can even request the third floor logo on your mat for free. That makes the best mat in the business even a little better. So get some new mats, save yourself some money, and help support the show. Go to matsbymars.com. All the details are in the show notes, including the discount code. So like I mentioned in a previous segment, Mari, um, you know, when a lot of people listen to these insider insights, they they get it in their head that uh, this is the greatest thing in the world. They're not really working. You know, they just goof off all day and just get to play around in the in the gaming industry and, in, you know, in, in the creative industry. Um, but I've got enough people that I've that are friends of mine to know that that's just not the case. Um, <laughs> but before we get into to the reality of it, let's talk about um, uh, 
like how to get into it. So uh, let's say a uh, young guy or gal comes up to you and says, you know, you know, I, I love to write, I love to create, you know, and I want to do what you do. What are some, what are some things that you might say to them? What are some things that you could say, well, you know, here, here's some things that you need to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that the most important thing is to work on one's craft. So whether it's art or writing or game design, um, never stop trying to improve and also be willing to learn from criticism. <laughs> That's got to be hard. It's so valuable, though. Um, yeah. When given in good faith, criticism and critiques can really elevate your work to a whole nother level. So, yeah, just learn to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd imagine, though, getting getting feedback and critiques from somebody like Kyle, who, um, mm-hmm. you know, has has an understanding of what you're doing and things like that is one thing. Do you ever expose yourself to uh, Joe Blow Basement on the Internet and the critiques <laughs> that happen online? Have you have you been a victim of that yet? <laughs> I haven't been a victim. Um, I've been very, very fortunate. I. So you asked me if I was, um, if I worked on a novel or if I was interested in writing a novel. And um, I kind of mentioned that I have one in the works that I'm working on. And I did get beta readers from Mm -hmm. the internet and they were fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it's going to make the end product so much better. So I'd be curious then in that process, um, when you look back at the feedback, can you think of insights that your beta readers had that, that, that maybe blew your mind a little bit and made you look at what you had written differently? Um, they had questions, a lot of questions about the world. So I thought that uh, in the world building, I'd been a little more robust, but apparently not robust enough. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently they weren't in my head with me. Sure, <laughs> sure. So having that outside perspective is super helpful. So when they're talking about the world and have questions about the world, were they asking you questions that you had already answered, but apparently had not clearly articulated in the work? Or were they asking you questions where you're like, oh, geez, I hadn't thought about that yet? Oh, both. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, totally. I was like, oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) So now I guess I'm going to tie it back to what we started with is how much how much does you as a role player come into this process now? Because, um, I mean, you're, you're going into fantasy worlds, you're doing your own world building. I mean, do you find your skills you've picked up as a role player influencing influencing the work you do now? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because I would always write um, backgrounds for my characters and things like that. And so, and sort of getting into the mind of a character and understanding their motivation and things like that is always helpful for whatever I'm working on, whether it's my own stuff or someone else's IP or (laughs) anything like that. And I do actually also work on RPGs as well. And so, oh, you know what? I knew that. That's right. Um, and so I guess that that's my next question. That is how different is that writing for an RPG as opposed to writing just, you know, fiction stories? It's very, very different. It's so fun, though. Um, but I tend to do more of the lore and campaign side of things as very opposed cool. to the mechanics side of things. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, creating like story hooks and kernels and NPCs and describing the world and things like that. It's it's very much sort of the setup that I would do for my own work. Yep. But in someone else's world. <laughs> in that game in, in that game world. Now, uh-huh. as a are you only a player of RPGs or do you actually run games? Do you have ever GM? I have GM'd a couple of times, but I'm mostly a player. That's cool. That's cool. Um, now, you talk about, you know, you're not involved in the mechanics, but um, on some of the RPG work that you've done, um, does mechanics ever play a role? So, for example, when you're creating the lore and you're creating the hooks and the stories for that, um, do you have to look to the mechanics and be aware of them? Or can you just kind of do your own thing and let the mechanics do their thing? Oh, I mean, when you're creating an NPC or something like that, you have to know how the mechanics work or uh, <laughs> right. uh, understand like how the stats work or, you know, things like that. So definitely knowing the mechanics 
is helpful. Got it. Got it. Um, so now let's talk about, um, we're going to get back on the advice train here and let's talk about pitfalls. Um, so what are some mistakes you've seen other freelance artists make, or maybe even mistakes that you have made that are potential cautionary tales for some of the listeners? Ooh, never, ever do a project without a contract. <laughs> oh, God. I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> that is, a, <laughs> yeah, always get a contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now what, I mean, is that you, when you contract with somebody is, um, are you at a point where you feel comfortable enough to read the contract and know it's a good contract and sign or not sign or get feedback on it? Or do you have counsel that helps you with that? Um, I will generally look at it and then I will have, uh, my husband who was a game producer and looked at tons of contracts look at it as well yeah. to make sure that there isn't something because legalese is a totally different style of writing and it sometimes doesn't feel like English. <laughs> sure. And um, so it's definitely not my forte. Um, but yeah, so definitely look through it. Um, I even have a sort of template contract of my own for freelance writing in case someone doesn't have a contract. Sure. Because you never know. Has there, can you think of a situation where there was something that was in a proposed contract that was a deal breaker for you that prevented you either from uh, coupling with that company or uh, was there uh, something that you saw and you said, yeah, that's not going to work and maybe they changed it? Mm, yes, there was one that was a, a long, long time ago um, when I was working in comics. Well, I wasn't working in comics. I had an online comic and a, a small distributor decided that they wanted to distribute it. And um, we ended up having to go back and forth on the contract a number of times because um, it was not a super robust contract, I think. And okay. so there were a lot of areas where, oh, well, this isn't covered. What happens if X, Y, or Z happens? So when you were kind of negotiating with that company as far as distributing your online comic, um, where was the stickiness? Was the stickiness around, you know, protections or contingencies? Um, uh, were you trying to protect your work? Or uh, I'm curious to know, uh, what, what was it that, that made you push back? Oh, I don't remember exactly what it was. This was a long, long time ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, so another way to phrase the question then is when you look, when you're looking over a contract, what are things that you, that you need to make sure are there? What are, what are pr protections or clauses or items that you want to make sure are covered in a contract? Um, generally, I will make sure that there's a deadline and um, a discrete payment scheme yeah. <laughs> that says how I'm going to be paid and also... Um, a limit to the number of edits that are going to mm. be required because sometimes it can be, you know, Oh, we want this change, this change, this change, this change. And um, so that's, that's sort of what I look for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine that could go, if you didn't, if you did not outline that, that could be completely out of control and you would never, never get done with it mm -hmm. because they would mm -hmm. just keep having more and more feedback. That makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, the last thing I want to talk with you about, Mari, is uh, reality uh, versus the, uh, the, the mirage. So <laughs> I've, I've joked about how, you know, people, um, you know, have one concept of what you do versus what you really do. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about being a freelance artist? Some of the biggest misconceptions. Um, well, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's not so sexy, right? Okay. <laughs> like, do you need a business license for your location? Mm. How do local and federal taxes work for freelancers <laughs> in your area? Kind of a thing. So like in the U.S., if you're a freelancer, you have to pay quarterly taxes um, and things like that. So just being aware of that is um, really, really helpful, especially before you start. Right. And, um, you know, like we said, being aware of contracts and having them never do a, never do a project without a contract. <laughs> it's, it's, now, it sounds like you have made that mistake. Is that the case? Um, I haven't, but I have heard a lot of horror stories. Yeah. 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 I've been very, very lucky or I may have, I may have done some work 
without a contract like once or twice, but it has worked out okay for me. Right. You haven't but been only yet. because I'm so lucky. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so it sounds like too, um, or I would imagine, I, I'm not going to assume this, but I would imagine, because I've seen this with other freelance artists, not necessarily freelance writers, where you end up kind of creating your own like shared experience community where you rely on each other. So there's, and I'd be curious to know, is that true for you? Like, do you have other freelance writers that are, that, um, that are friends and maybe not friends that you've ever met before, but, um, you know, just a greater community that, um, you can commiserate with Um, that understand what you do (laughs) a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm pretty isolated myself, but, uh, the folks who work on RPGs together a lot, a lot of times there will be, um, you know, chat channels or discord channels or things like that. And we can talk to each other and <laughs> get that sort of, Oh yeah. The camaraderie and right. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So the biggest thing that sucks about what you do. Ooh. So in the U S at least health insurance, Oh, I it's bet. Very often difficult or very, very, very expensive to come by. Yeah. So I've noticed that a lot of the modern comic book writers and artists are Canadian. And Interesting. I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can imagine. It down to health insurance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> things, and, and, you know, somebody who works for a company, it's something that I just take for granted. Um, and, uh, it, um, phew. Yeah, that's got to be a little bit stressful um, mm-hmm. uh, to have to deal with, and that gets into the the not fun stuff, right? The the business side of things, and and having right. to 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 deal with all of that. All mm-hmm. right, so last last big question: uh-huh. If you could pick one dream IP to write for, oh, what would it be? So, I've been asked this before, and I totally, um, I totally just I don't know, I don't know, because here's the thing. Um, I've worked on a couple of IPs that I didn't know anything about before going into it, but it ended up being really, really fun to work on. Sure. So, for example, um, like I said, the Dirk and Steel romance novels. Yep. I had never really gotten into the romance novel world or um, that community. And it is such a warm, welcoming community. And they are such cool people. And, I mean, it's... It's such an, it was such a neat world and it was just a ton of fun to work on. And oh, so that's cool. that was, you know, I, I didn't know that going in. And so I don't want to say yes, this one thing, cause I don't know if something t- completely unexpected is going to actually end up being my dream IP. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, so how about this then? Is there a, the best way to put this is there a genre or elements of a world um that would make you just go you know what i don't really want to write this i this is you know what what you've got is fine and that's great that's your world and you love it but i i don't i don't think i want to write here at all um has had is there things that you would just go no i'm good (laughs) um i think it would probably come down to the IP controller ultimately because some IPs are um, very, very strictly controlled and it's, I mean, it makes sense because there's a lot of money tied up in it Sure, and it can be really, really challenging to work with those IPs. And so I think that's sort of the IP holder, I guess, is sort of the determining factor on like how much fun something can be to work on. So you don't see yourself being limited at all by by genre or anything. You'd you'd be willing to to jump in anywhere. Yeah, I think so. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I don't know what I would I would just. I mean, it's so much fun to play in someone else's sandbox. I bet. <laughs> I bet. That's cool. That's very very neat. Well, Mari, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, obviously, I would assume you have some plugs. So uh, if people want to get more of you, where should they go? <laughs> well, more of me. <laughs> if this wasn't enough, <laughs> <laughs> you're not overwhelmed by the Mariness. Then uh, <laughs> you can find me at maritokuda.com. That's M-A-R-I-T-O-K-U-D-A.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at maritokuda, and um, 
I also have a podcast. So if you want to hear me talk about blah, 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 <laughs> um, it's Yellow Ranger Fan Club. And we talk about being female and Asian and dorky and um, sort of Asian history and like Asian American history and sort of the things you don't learn about in school. Very, very cool. I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. And uh, Mari, at some point, I'm going to try to talk you into coming back and talking with us again. Oh, absolutely. I would love to. This has been a ton of fun. (laughs) I'm glad. And for those of you that stuck around to the end, thanks for listening. Take care. There are so many online retailers. It can be hard to find one that is trustworthy, has great prices, along with some reliable customer service. On the third floor, we love ordering our gaming goodies from Gadzooks Gaming. Their selection of terrain, miniatures, dice, custom decor, and conversion bits are curated for gamers by gamers. You'll find they have what you need and what you didn't know you needed to take your gaming fun to the next level. If you mention Third Floor Wars in the cart notes of your order, you'll also get a free gift. And you'll help support the podcast. Check out gadzooksgaming.com and mention Third Floor Wars on checkout to get that free gift. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch so you don't miss uh, the avalanche of content we create. Links are in the show notes. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest in gaming apparel and gear. There you'll also find the latest information for the U.S. Faux Tour. Find out where you rank in your conference or even in the entire United States. Get those models built, painted, and ready so we can see you at the next U.S. Faux Tour Masters event. Please take a moment to write a review of this pod on your favorite platform. Rating and reviewing helps us find more listeners almost as cool as you are. Be sure to share this feed with all of your friends who love tabletop gaming. Thanks for listening. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. Let me think how I want to start this. Well, first, before I start this, is there anything that um, you want to dive into? Um, not in particular. Although okay. you did have some questions on the call sheet about uh, being a freelance artist, and, like what sucks and what's good, and you yep. know, let's, what let's, people not expect. <laughs> let's do that here. Then that makes okay. sense here. Perfect. Okay. So here's a perfect example of a call sheet getting completely blown up <laughs> because because we've kind of touched on a lot of this stuff organically, which makes me really, really happy. Um, uh, so I'm not um, like the sum of your work segment. I'm going to dump that because we kind of talked about that a little bit. We'll talk about weird um, and kind of that process. And I'll probably get a little bit detailed into it because, again, most of, that's probably what most of the. Um, audience is going to connect with sure. um and then we'll uh, we'll see what happens from there okay all right start writing so when did you maybe start to realize you know i i, I might be good at this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh sorry we've got a little bit of thunder going on so <laughs> you're in seattle that happens <laughs> it's really uncommon actually uh Okay. <laughs> I just didn't want that to. Okay. So can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> sure. So what I'd be curious to know is go, let's go back in time, right? Mm-hmm. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're talking to Mari Takuda. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Good.
In the Insider Insight series, it gives me a chance to talk to developers, designers, writers, artists, and people in the industry. And I like to find out exactly their creative process, how, how that works, how they approach their work, really their philosophy. And today what we're going to do is we're going to figure out from Mari, first of all, I'd like to find out where she gets her inspirations, how she does her research, um, and really how does she end up creating compelling stories that end up on the page or in games. So Uh-oh. we're going to take a quick break. And when we get, Oh, am I still there? Tell me when you can see me. Do you still see me? Yes, I can see you. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> the, whole thing, the whole thing froze, and so... <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I'm going to just, just for safety's sake, I'll, re- I'll just do my little spiel again. Okay, thank I'll you. cut to the break. Yeah, yeah. So the insider... Uh, hey, are you still here? Look, uh, the podcast is over. And you sat through all of the breaks and bloopers? Well, I mean, if you're here, might as well run over to patreon.com and become a supporter. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast, too, while you're at it, on whatever platform you're listening to. I do appreciate you sticking around. Take care. <laughs> 